You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you on this Saturday afternoon here on 98.7 ESPN. Hopefully everybody out there is safe and somewhat healthy. Uh, I know that uh, we are just getting uh, <laughs> destroyed right now in regard to this new COVID variant uh, strand that is that is out there right now. I guess the positive is uh, that it's not as deadly uh, or as uh, strong as uh, the one that we encountered, obviously, over a year ago, but nonetheless, uh, more contagious. So I don't know about you guys, but I've got more friends that have tested positive right now today than I have in in, in the past year and a half. Uh, Again, God bless all of them are feeling fine. They're home. They're not going anywhere. They're quarantining themselves, uh, but no more than a sore throat, just a little aches like the common cold. And thank God for that. And all of them are vaccinated. So again, hoping everybody out there is, is, is safe and taking care of yourself. But obviously, beyond just what's going on with us personally and in our own world and our own lives, uh, COVID has hit the sports arena yet again. And, and probably, you know, again, I mean, I would, I would say, I would argue that, you know, this week is probably one of the worst weeks we've had since, uh, you know, the pandemic started. Um, you know, even with the majority of, of professional athletes that are vaccinated, um, we're seeing, look, look at what's happened with the NFL. You know, now we've got games that, that have been moved. We were supposed to have two games today, the Raiders and the Browns at five o'clock. And then later on tonight, and I heard RJ Bell talking about it with Dave, we've got the Patriots and the Colts. But now that Raiders Cleveland Browns game now has been moved. Also, two games moved to Tuesday because the Washington football team was hit pretty significantly, pretty hard, as well as the Rams. So Rams-Seattle and uh, Washington Eagles, that's been moved to Tuesday. So, uh, and, you know, and, and here we are, and, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Nets and we're talking about Kyrie Irving and the organization now rethinking its game plan and allowing Kyrie Irving to come back and, and play on on the road in road games for the Nets uh, because of a number of the, the, not only just the COVID issues that they're encountering, seven Nets players who at any given time cannot play, along with the fact that Kevin Durant is logging really heavy minutes. Fourth, Kevin, I read a stat today. Kevin Durant is logging the fourth, fourth most minutes um, in the NBA. He's averaging 37 minutes a game at some points. Uh, in, in some matchups, he's he's anywhere up in the, 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 the 39, 40 minute mark. Obviously, as we know, Harden has had a slow start. So, uh, you know, I, I just I, I find this I find this interesting in a number of ways. Number one, you know, desperate times calls for desperate measures. I get it. Right. So the organization, again, rethinking and everything that we're hearing is that the organization is going to bring Kyrie Irving back to play in road games. Now, Ty is producing the show. Ty and I were talking before we started the show. And Ty, I, this, is, this is news to me. I wasn't aware of this. I just don't quite understand. And, and, and if you could confirm. So, so the Nets are allowing opposing players who are not vaccinated to play. No, it's not the Nets. It's, 
if you're an opposing player who right. who's unvaccinated, this, right. this really has nothing to do with the Nets. Okay. Um, you you can play. Opposing players can play at the Barclays In- Center who are unvaccinated. So so why why is that okay? But, but Kyrie can't play there. It's because unvaccinated. the city has a mandate here in New York that if you are a professional athlete, you cannot play. If you're a Nick or a Net, you can't be unvaccinated and play home games. See, but that's that's ridiculous. But yet you're allowing other professional athletes unvaccinated to come and play in New York. That, that that's just that, that's bizarre. That doesn't make sense to me. This is the first time hearing about this. I mean, does not doesn't that sound ridiculous to you? I mean, it's it's certainly odd, and you know when when you see what's going on uh, across all the sports, you know the NHL, uh, the NBA, and the NFL, obviously dealing with it, uh, we're we're seeing you know positive cases like we've never seen before, and you know it's unprecedented time, so they're all learning to adjust. But even these leagues are now going to have to make some adjustments to the, their protocols and their rules. And one of the questions I had earlier this week was, and I get it's a, a situation that's evolving, right? We're all learning. So I don't think that any question should be a dumb one. But it's if you are a vaccinated player devoid of symptoms, so you're asymptomatic, is there a reason why you aren't allowed to play? Because you, you see the Nets right now. They have eight eight positive uh, cases right now, with Durant being the latest to join uh, an ever-growing list. So we're going to get to a situation where it's either you're going to keep postponing and you know canceling games, or we might see some changes made to the rules where players who are vaccinated but asymptomatic would be allowed to play. But then again, it's yeah, but, like, how, how do you judge that? Because but here, but here's the thing. Conditions, you can still here, transmit it, so it's tough. Right, but here's the thing, Ty. Just because you don't have symptoms, you're still carrying the virus. So it's it's not necessarily like, hey, I feel fine, I can play. It's it's you're still you you still tested positive, you still have the virus, um, and and therefore you know that's that's where that's where the main concern is. But um, you know my 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 thing and what I'm two two twofold here. Okay, first first things first. Again, the Nets dealing with a number of players who can't play because of COVID symptoms or not Kevin Durant logging heavy minutes when we know you know dude's been injured Achilles now he's dealing with an ankle that that's not the way that the Nets want to roll especially if they want to win a championship at the end of the season hardened slow start I came across another stat here 84 minutes Patty Mills has been on the court without KD and Harden Uh, their average is 93 points per 100 possessions so that's a drop of 20. It's a 23 net rating drop without both Katie and Harden on the court. That's pretty significant. Okay. Also, in regard to, don't forget, as we know, no Joe Harris. He's dealing with an ankle injury. He's not expected back till January. Here's another stat for you. No Harris and no Kyrie. This Nets team, three-point shooting. Okay. They were fourth last, last, last year in three-point shooting team. Without Kyrie and her Harris, they dropped to 23rd in the NBA, 39% from behind the arc, which was second best in the NBA last season. Right now, again, without Harris and Kyrie, they're 36%, which they dropped to 10th in the NBA. 
So I just, I, I lay that out for you just to say, okay, I understand. I understand the organization rethinking the whole Kyrie thing, you know, especially if at the end of the day, it's, it's all about winning a championship. Like these numbers are significant. I get it. Oh, one more thing I, I left out. This is a team that come January after the holidays, they, towards the, the, the end of January, 11 of their 14 games are away. They're on the road. And, and in regard to COVID, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be a negative Nelly, and this is just my opinion, right? Like, I haven't watched any of the, the political shows as of late to get an update, but, like, just speaking from experience, I don't believe that this COVID situation is going to prohibit people from getting together and going out for the holidays. So now we, we're, we're embarking on the next two weeks of people having off, a number of people here in New York City traveling here to New York City. They want to see the tree. They want to, they want to you know, shop. They want to browse. They want to go to Central Park. They want to ride the horses. They want to do all those things and then go back to their select cities. I, I just, I, I, think, I think right now New York is, is a hub yet again for this new strain that's out. And after the holidays, I think now it's, 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 it's going to permeate into other areas of the country where I think the situation is only going to get worse. Again, just my two cents based on experience and in what I've seen happen with this virus in the last two years. Okay. So with that being said, I understand where now teams are like, you know what, this is only going to get worse. This is, this isn't going to get better. And, and with the Nets having 11 of their 14 games away in January, towards the end of January, again, I'm just, I'm just. I'm painting the picture as to understanding and and why the organization is rethinking their Kyrie Irving situation. That's first and foremost. Now, part two of this, again, is uh, Ty educating me in regard to New York allowing other NBA players from other teams to come and play here, whether it's the Garden or in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center unvaccinated, but yet you don't allow Kyrie Irving. I don't quite understand that. I will scratch my head on that one. And here's another one for you. Apparently, and this Woj reported this on ESPN, I was reading his article this morning, and that is Kyrie can practice at the facility, but he can't play in a game at home? What's, what's, what's the difference? It's, it's, it's still your workspace. Practice facility, the Barclays Center. It's, 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 it's a workspace, one in the same. I, I just, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't quite understand those, those two things. Um, it's really perplexing to me, but, uh, but we'll open up the phone lines. I'm sure that a lot of people out there, um, have something to say, have an opinion in regard to this, uh, whether you're a Nets fan or whether you're just an NBA enthusiast, you like the NBA and you know, this is, this is an interesting conversation to have especially where we are right now and, and how, how, once again, COVID is on the uptick. So how are teams um, responding to that, especially now? Listen, you've got, you've got the NBA that obviously the schedule, the, the schedule and the, the standings are becoming more and more clear in regard to competing in the postseason and the NFL. Man, listen, if you're an NFL team and, and there's a lot of parity this year in the NFL, you're an NFL team and you know it's going to come down to – there's so many te- – the next few weeks in the NFL are going to be so crucial, especially with you got you, – you have teams now that playing within their division opponents. So, I mean, it, you know, one, one win, one loss, you're in, you're out. It's crucial. And so in, even NFL teams now have to 
get a little bit more serious, get a little bit more tight in regard to their COVID restrictions, especially if they want to try to win a championship and, and, and make sure that they have their best players on the field. One of the teams said to me, when we go through testing on Monday, what if we now lose players Monday that can't play Tuesday because we were accommodating the other team and we had these guys ready to play on Sunday? So these teams are very concerned going into the testing process that they could be penalized and now, as you mentioned, will be on short weeks in week 16 because other teams were having issues with COVID. Crazy. That's Adam Schefter. It's a mess. It's a poop show. It's a hot mess right now. We know that. By the way, you can hit me up on Twitter at Anita Marks. Um, I do have some tweets here. This is from uh, Don Showfan. And I, I'm assuming this is for Don LaGreca. Where the hell has Anita Marks been the last few months? She's just hearing about the New York City mandate now. Everyone's talked about it all season because of Kyrie. Listen, I knew about the mandate. I just, I was not aware that they were allowing other players from other teams non-vaccinated to play here. No, that I was not aware of. I knew about the mandate, Don Show fan. Um, also, this is from Jennifer. I'm not quite sure how this is going to work with Kyrie. The Nets constantly are in COVID protocol. I hate to say this. Don't wish it on him, but he's eventually going to be exposed and test positive because he's not vaccinated. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a whole another conversation, isn't it? You know, especially right now, if you are a player who's not vaccinated, and as contagious as this is right now, if, if let me let me tell you, I, I'm I'm constantly like you know I've got all the I've got great plans scheduled. I'm working a lot, and not complaining about it. I love what I do, but in between work, I'm weaving in a lot of great plans the next two weeks for Christmas. This is my favorite time of the year. I love Christmas. I love New Year's. I'm having conversations um, with my people in regard to. What are we going to do? Are we going to continue? You know, are we going to go see the Rockettes? I don't know. Like, you know, um, you know, dinner reservation in the city on, on Christmas Eve. Like, you know what? Like I'm having I'm having serious conversations in regards to how I'm going to move forward with my life. And I'm vaccinated. If I wasn't vaccinated, I, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know if I'd, I'd probably quarantine myself, even though if I, I was negative. I'd probably quarantine myself as well. I mean, this thing is is uber contagious. I'd be terrified right now. You know, what, what's, you know, we're sitting here talking, that's, you know, it's a great point. You know, we're sitting here talking about the, the nets and what they're going to do, but where's, where's Kyrie mentally on this? You know, maybe he doesn't want, maybe this is, this is, this is too contagious for him. We don't know. Have we heard anything? Has Kyrie said anything, Ty? Have, any comments from Kyrie on this? Do we know? No, he hasn't said anything. Hmm. Right? I mean, am I wrong? Like, if you weren't vaccinated and you... I, I just... In the break, I just told Ty, I had another friend just text me who told me she doesn't feel well and she thinks she has COVID. I've never had more friends in one period of time that either have been tested positive for COVID or feel that they have COVID and are waiting to get tested. This is contagious. This is and serious. it's like all day long, we're going to continue to get... um tweets from Woj and, and Shams and, and Schefter, you know, unfortunately, about a, another player or coach entering the health and, and safety protocol. Uh, Miles McBride for the Knicks uh, was announced about an hour or so ago that he's entered COVID uh, health and safety protocol. Kevin Durant for the Nets. So uh, the, the numbers are, are, are continuing to rise. So it, it's just, just going to be fascinating to see how the league handles this because... You know, 
you you don't want to keep postponing games, but what do you do? I mean, when you don't have the the players available, and as Schefter just said in the cut, now opposing teams are upset because you know that's one more day that they have to go without you know hopefully not getting a positive COVID test result for their players and their coaches. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, imagine imagine you know big reason why the Washington football team tie was was postponed was because both their starting quarterbacks were out. Pat Shermer's son, former coach of the Giants. It would, would have had to quarterback the Washington football team. He's their third-string quarterback. So that's why Washington was postponed. Now Philadelphia is sitting there going, well, geez, we hope that Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders and, uh, you know, we, we hope they now, you know, we hope they don't come down with COVID. Now that that's what happens if that happens. Now we have the disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. Let's go to Larry in Flatbush. Larry, you're up. Hello, good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. All right, listen, I'm a big Nets fan. Way back. I go way back with the Nets with, uh, ooh, Lenny Wilkins and, and Billy Paul and, and Kevin Lockery and, you know, Super John Williamson and all that. Listen, my thing is, right now, I am a big Nets fan, will always be a big Nets fan, and I think Kyrie is doing my franchise a uh, disservice. All right, by and by not, you know, doing this protocol, whatever he should do or would do or could do. All right, but you ain't just come to Brooklyn to do what? What did you come to Brooklyn for? Why did you come to come play for the Nets? Really? Why did you do that? You know, did you come here to win the championship? Because I want to leave it like this. All right, uh, the Nets should have been the first team to win an ABA and NBA championship because the Lakers in 2001 when, when when the Lakers played Sacramento Sacramento should have won and then the Nets would have whipped Sacramento's behind I'm gonna leave it like that as long as you know what I'm talking about go ahead on have a good day lady <laughs> all right Larry yeah step off of that soapbox going all the way back uh, let's go to Richard in Manhattan Richard you're up Anita, as far as that guy goes back with the Nets, I go back even further. 1967, when they came in in New Jersey, played at the Teaneck Armory, and they had a guy named uh, Laverne Tart as their star. 1967-68, they were known as. Do you remember their original name? No, you know what? I, I'm not. Let's let let's let's New Jersey stick with, Americans. Let's stick with the conversation at hand. I don't want to sure. sit here and test right, everybody's sports knowledge back in the day. Business. The Nets are a business. It didn't make sense to me. If you're a businessman and you're paying for something that you're not getting, how can you stay in business? I don't want to hear who's doing what. They're paying for this guy to play half the games. They're paying him to pay. How is it in the best interest of the Nets not to have him play and pay him? How does that make sense business-wise? It makes well, no it's, sense. It's, well, here's the thing, and, and Richard, thanks for the phone call. Um, you know, it's... They're paying him for home games because they are, right? They're right, Ty. They're paying him for home games because they are pro, they are prohibiting him from playing. So they are paying him for home games. I don't I don't believe that they are paying him for road games. Is that right, Ty? Or is it the is it the opposite way around? They're they're paying him for one or the other, road or home. He's getting he's 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 getting half his salary for for one or the other. Maybe it's road games. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's road games because he can play on road games, but they are not allowing him. That's what it is. They're paying him for the road games. 
You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Music only means one thing. Cynthia Freeland, that's what it means. You can see her all over the NFL Network. Kicking butt, taking names. Cynthia, what's up? How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm not sure if you're watching the news, but, man, we're, we're getting hit hard with COVID here. I've got a number of friends uh, that, that, are, that have tested positive. Thank God they're vaccinated. They don't, they, they don't have a lot of symptoms, but uh, New York is, is, is taking it on the chin right now. How, how's L.A.? How's L.A. doing? You know, it's kind of – it's not quite – we haven't had as many ups and downs, but remember, we kind of never came out of the COVID protocol. So we were – you know, we've been wearing masks, and everything's been – pretty we, we've been they stayed pretty conservative here so you know it's, you don't it's not as noticeable of a difference but i agree with you there's a lot of people it's very scary especially coming with the holidays like and gatherings and stuff so everyone be careful please absolutely and you know uh, let's let's take a look at what's going on in the nfl especially with with the covid situation and we know games have been changed so we were supposed to have two games tonight that's not going to happen we still have 8 15 you got the Patriots in in the Colts. I definitely want to break that down with you. But uh, the Raiders in Cleveland moved to Monday, so they'll play at 5 o'clock. Minnesota and Chicago at 8.15. And then two games on Tuesday, Seattle and the Rams, Washington and Philadelphia. Now, they're both on Fox, and they're both supposed to start at 7 o'clock. Let me ask you this. Is that time going to change? Are, are they going to stagger them as well? I mean, it, it kind of sucks that you get two games at 7 o'clock. You'd have to believe they're going to stagger them. I mean, because, you know, the TV rights are where they make the money. So I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's an interesting problem. I noticed that, too. And I was like, yes, that's for someone above my pay grade to figure out, you know. <laughs> I don't know how that works out. Yeah. So, and you know, Adam Schefter, we played a clip from Adam Schefter earlier on the show where now, you know, you've got a team like Philadelphia, which, again, big reason why – you know, this, this move was made for the Washington football team in Philadelphia to play on Tuesdays because Washington has been hit really hard. And Philadelphia is like, well, you know, what happened if it, what happens if like Jalen Hurts or Devontae Smith or Miles Sanders um, come down with COVID on Monday night? Now we're screwed. Like, how's that fair to us? I, I mean, this, this is, this is, it's, everything is so convoluted. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and the interesting part, too, is, like, the Raiders, I saw a report yesterday, the Raiders were like, I thought that if there were enough players, it was just a forfeit and we win. And to be honest with you, I thought that, too. So I'm not sure, but I, all I know is that we can change rules. Like, that's, like, you know, obviously there's fluidity in the situation, but I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sure. I'm just glad that this isn't me having to make this decision. <laughs> like, no thank you. That's why um, again, big- again, Cynthia Freeland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Cynthia, let's start with the Patriots and the Colts. That game is tonight. I think the wrong team is favored here. I like the Patriots plus two and a half. I'm going to play them on the money line at plus 120. I'm also going to use them as a two-team six-point teaser, and I'm going to tease them up to plus eight and a half. That's how I'm playing this. What say you? I like the tease, but I think I actually think the Colts win by three. I think it's about I think that's right, which is hilarious because it's like right on the number. People get so mad at me when that happens. But ultimately I think that this O line it's just that I understand that what we the last time we saw the Patriots, they were looking pretty good against the Bills. But you have to remember that there's a lot of interesting you know, look, a lot of interesting looks that Matt Eberflus can throw out there for Mac Jones. It's not just Bill Belichick being able to, you know, out-checkmate, you know, Carson Wentz. Because we know that 
Carson Wentz does have some susceptibility. I'm not, put, you know, I'm not putting this on him necessarily, right? Like, but what I am saying is that there is a good opportunity here for that Matt Eberflus defense. Eberflus is good. He's 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 been doing this for a long time. Like, I, I think we should give him some credit too. Um, bottle of wine, straight up. <clears throat> bottle of wine. Bottle, bottle, <laughs> bottle of wine, straight up. Um, <laughs> let's take a look at some of the Sunday slate of games. And I'm not as excited about this week as I was last week. I, I think the Saints and the Tampa Bay Bucks game is probably, in my opinion, the, the, the best game. And thank God it's on Sunday night. But nonetheless, here's what I do like about the slate of games. There is a plethora, and I love when I could use that word. There is a plethora Great of... Work. Two team six point teaser bets that I'm going to make, and I'm going to lay them out for you. Dallas Cowboys tease them down to uh, minus minus five and a half. Um, the Cardinals down to six. The Dolphins down to three and a half. Um, the 49ers down to two and a half. The Cincinnati Bengals up to nine. The Love. Green Bay Packers down to one. And I do like the Saints, even though I know Sean Payton isn't on the sideline, but I, I, I do like teasing them up to plus 17 and a half. So, again, a plethora of really good two-team six-point teasers out there out of the ones that I rattled off to you, which are the ones that you like? Cincinnati is probably my favorite because I think they, uh, they outright win. So I think anything you can do to make that those Cincinnati odds better, you're, you're doing a good job to, to put that with some other stuff, mix that in with some other stuff. I think actually all of them. I like it. I love the one for the Cardinals. I think you know that one stood out to me as well. Where do you have? Did you put the Bills in there at all? What did you put with the Bills? I did not. I'm 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 staying away. Here's the thing. This is this is this is how I'm handicapping both the Bills and the Carolina Panthers, as well as uh, the Bucks and the Saints. Um, that was a brutal game. That was a really physical game that was played between the Bills and the Bucks, and I think both teams are going to be sore and tired coming off of that battle. And so um I just I'm you know so so and and I'm I'm not I'm not really big on Carolina. I'm 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 not putting my faith in Cam Newton, but you know how I feel about Taysom Hill and and the way that he's able to run the football and we saw what Josh Allen was able to do over 100 rushing yards against the Bucks last week. I think the Saints can keep this close. So, uh, you know, to tease them up to plus 17 and a half, I'm all over that. But I, I think the Bucks and the Bills, I, I think they're a little beat up after that game. That was, it was a real physical game, Cynthia. It was a real physical game, but I also think that now the Bucks, or I'm sorry, the Bills, are one game more used to playing without Davis White. I think that was a big adjustment. You saw, you saw Josh Allen get better every single snap. I mean, he played way better the second half than the, than the first half in terms of passing. I think this is a much more manageable defense to attack. I think I agree with him on the physicality, but I do think that in this matchup, you know, the coach there, obviously it's not the same Carolina team he left, but McDermott has some, I feel like those coaches sometimes have this like extra beat on their old teams. They kind of always pay attention to them a bit more. They always seem to know what's going on with them. So I think this is going to be an opportunity here where the questions around the quarterback position for the Panthers and the inconsistency we've seen there is something that McDermott's just going to be able to exploit. So I, I like the Bills in this spot. Like I, I feel pretty strongly about it too. Is that your is that your best bet this week? I mean, double lay in double digits. That's a lot. Bills minus minus twelve. No, is that your, like what's your best? What, what? A, my, my favorite bet of the entire week is, is, is the is the Bengals to win. Just 
straight up. Win. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati as well. I, I think this line, I, I think the wrong team is favored here. I think the Bengals are the better team, and I think they're not getting the respect because they lost last week. Money line is at plus 140. I'm all like over that. Fashion. I mean, that was, it was an overtime, and who, you know, that could have gone either way. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I hear you. And Jimmy Garoppolo playing unbelievable the last few weeks. That's going to be an interesting decision, right? Like, you know, you've got a, a 49ers team who's still not admitting that they gave up all that draft capital to move up to get Mac Jones, uh, whatever. Uh, whatever. Now Jimmy Garoppolo is playing I, extremely I, I well. Think, I think they moved up. They gave up all that draft capital. And they, I think they, what they were really trying to do was trying to get Aaron Rodgers. And then it just didn't fall through if that fell through at the last minute. That's my opinion on that. I think that they, I think they were trying to go for the Rodgers and then all of a sudden Gutekiss was like, nah, not going to do it. That's what I think happened there. Um, but it, it, it'll be interesting to see, look at what they did do though. They went with Trey Lance. I heard Trey Lance, like, I, I heard Kyle Shanahan fell in love with him in interviews. And I heard Kyle Shanahan uh, did not like Mac Jones at all. So um, rubbed him the wrong way. Regardless, whatever the case, as good as Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing as of late, it's going to be an interesting decision for them. You know, do you move on from Jimmy Garoppolo? Let's say, you know, he, he does will this team to make it to the postseason, even as a wild card. Maybe they make some noise in the postseason. What do they do moving forward? You I know, love is it going to be, are they going to take? Already done with him. I love that they've already been like, oh yeah, we're done with him. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? You're like, is that even yeah, true? exactly. What? Huh? Know. What? It's, it's kind of like, you know, years years ago, I don't know if, if some of our listeners might not remember this, like, you know, the uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl with um uh why am I why am I drawing a blank? Uh w- yeah, with with Trent Dilfer and then <laughs> and then the following year we're like, "Bye. See you later. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on your way out." Uh <laughs> just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, let, let's talk really quick because I, I know I only have a few more minutes in this segment and I know we want to talk fantasy. Really quick, Dallas and the Giants. I was talking to Jane Slater the other day. She said Giants are, 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 are facing the Dallas Cowboys in an inopportune week. Uh, she thinks the Dallas Cowboys make a statement. You agree? Oh, completely agree. Like, I think, I think this, is a, this is a bad time to not have all your kind of pieces in place. And, you know, quarterback, starting with the quarterback and – I think this is a time where the Dallas Cowboys are like, oh, I'm sorry, you don't think we're going to be good enough to make a playoff or a Super Bowl run? This is where Michael Parsons steps up and makes his case for defensive player of the year, not just defensive rookie of the year. Um, and, and I'm with you on that and, and how, how, bitter, how, how difficult that's going to be for Giants fans to sit there and watch Micah Parsons uh, put on a show when, of course, the Giants passed up on him to trade down to get Kadarius Toney. Uh, Mama Mini was on the show at 1 o'clock. Her score is Dolphins 24, Jets 14. Agree or disagree with that? I think he's got the right winner. I think that he uh, was a 10-point win. I think it's like more like 9 or 8. I mean, so yes, I agree with her. Okay. And last but not least, as always, we like to end talking some fantasy football. Cynthia Freeland, give us your quarterbacks that are flying a little low on the radar, heading into playoff week in fantasy football week 15. Who you got? If you're playing daily, this is not for your regular season, but if you're playing daily, you could absolutely take a flyer on the, the Davis-Webb situation. I think that is interesting. I think this Jags-Texans game is a dumpster fire of epic proportion. I do think the Jags win, but I do think Davis has told us that he can he can make some of those throws. So, Mills, not like, what am I talking about? 
No, Davis Webb. We know him very well here in yeah. New York. But yes, you meant you meant you meant Davis Mills. And and by the way, yeah, I I, I agree with you. Like I I like I like the Texans. I like the Texans getting the points. By the way, I, I think it's hilarious. The whole thing's a mess. I I think the Jags win this one big because I think they actually use James Robinson. But I think that that means that they the Texans throw the ball quite a bit. Uh, running backs. Who do you like? All right, so no, no one can that be the answer. Um, look, when I'm looking at this one, Khalil Herbert is back for the Bears, and I think that could be an interesting situation to monitor. It just means it kind of takes away from David Montgomery, but that could be one where they're using some tricks. They need to try to manufacture a win here, and I would think that that could be someone that we've seen help them manufacture wins in the past. Uh, wide receivers. Wide receivers. Okay, so look. Devontae Parker, I'm sorry to pick against the Jets because I like the Jets as people, but Devontae Parker, he's, you know, they had their bye, he's been injured. Now there's no um, Jalen Waddle, so you're going to need to have the task to go to someone. I think Devontae Parker is a nice, like, fly under the radar guy. And last but not least, tight end. Oh, Lord. The tight end market this week is a, another dumpster fire. I gave him the Jordan Brevin last week, and that one worked out because he got a touchdown. But I think, I think I'm going to look here at – which ones are you like? Hmm. I'll, I'll kind of rate mine. Cause Who do I – listen, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns and the fact that David Njoku might be the only warm body. <laughs> that the Browns yeah, might be I mean, right. That might the Browns might be able to to, to utilize. Um, so uh, that, that's kind of who I'm I'm looking at, which is pretty good. Dallas Goddard, obviously he's good, but you already have him. I'm looking for guys who maybe you could you know real sleepers because I think Dallas Goddard's in a great situation this week. But maybe that you know that one. I, and some people will tell you Ricky Seals Jones. I don't know who's playing for Washington, so I would stay away from that one. There you go. She's Cynthia Freeland. Uh, Awesome as always, Cynthia. I'm glad you're healthy. I'm glad you're safe, and we so appreciate you yes, when you join you us. Say all of those things, please, my friend. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm 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 trying. All right. Um. Good luck in week 15. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Too. Bye. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, let's bring in. Uh, we got Michael K on the line. Obviously, some breaking news. Some big news. Mike, welcome in. How you doing? Hey, Anita. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. We just had Jim Duquette on, who obviously I, I know you know, um, and really shared some interesting points about Buck Walter. But from what I understand, you know him better than most. Uh, your thoughts when, when you heard the news just about 20 minutes ago that uh, he's now the new manager of the Mets? Well, I think the Mets made the right move. Uh, this is not a team that should be bringing in a, a first-time manager. Uh, they've tried it before. It has not worked out. Uh, this is a team that just spent a lot of money. They want to make the playoffs this year. He's 65 years old. He's won everywhere that he's gone. Has not won a World Series, but every team that he manages gets better immediately. Uh, I think they need to change the culture around that team. He will do that promptly. Uh, He is as brilliant a baseball man as I have ever been around in 35 years in the sport. I think the Mets just hit an absolute home run with this hire. You know, I I know one of the things that is, is discussed, especially now in this day and age, is, you know, analytics being such a vital part, such a big part of a lot of the decisions that are made, in-game decisions being made. And one thing that I loved 
that I heard uh, Jim Duquette say is, you know, it, Buck is one of those guys who's just like all in on analytics. Like, you know, it's, for him, it's 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 what he sees with his own eyes as well. And I, I think I, I think that's important because I'm sure you hear it the same as I do when I, I, I talk to Major League Baseball players. You know, they feel that too many of the decisions are made on analytics. Agree or disagree? Well, I think analytics is going to be a big part of this, Anita. Uh, the Mets have built a huge analytics staff. Uh, and one of the falsehoods about um, Showalter is that he doesn't want information. He wants as much information as possible. I mean, that's always what he's looking for. I think the one difference is going to be that uh, the younger managers who go to analytic teams allow the analytics to infiltrate uh, the decisions, and those analytics almost make the decisions. I think Buck's going to take as much information as he could possibly get, and he will make out the lineup, and he will make out the decisions, and he will take out the pitchers. But he'll use all the information that's given to him, but there's no one with an iPad that's going to dictate a lineup uh, or even strongly suggest a lineup to Buck. Buck's going to do what he's going to do, and I'm sure that that was made clear to all the people that interviewed him, uh, from Billy Epler to Sandy Alderson to Steve Cohen. But Steve Cohen is heavily into analytics. He's made his billions with analytics in the stock market, and the Mets, again, have poured millions and millions of dollars into their analytic staff. So it's going to be a big part of what they do, but I think Buck is going to make out the lineup. He's going to make the decisions the way he sees fit. Based on, on what the, the Mets have done, obviously, Max Scherzer, the biggest addition, right, in, in the offseason, they're 10-1. to 1. You know me, Mike. You know how I like to gamble. Um, I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're 10-1 to 1 right now. To win the World Series, with the addition of Max, with the addition now of Buck being named the manager, what are your thoughts on, on, on the Mets heading into this season and, and potentially making a run at a World Series? No, I don't think that at this point they're a World Series-ready team. We don't know if Jacob deGrom is healthy. If Jacob deGrom is healthy and then you pair him up with Max Scherzer, that might change my opinion a bit, but there's still a lot of holes on the team that have to be filled, and I think that they will attempt to do that. Uh, once the lockout ends, right now everybody is just um, you know uh, in, in a lockdown mode, so they can't even talk to anybody. But I think there's still a lot of heavy lifting that has to be done on this team. Uh, let's just put it this way: they will never lose a game in the dugout. Now, this uh, I, I've talked to so many players that played for Buck Showalter, and they said, you know, the comfortable thing about Buck Showalter is that when you go into a game, you know that the other manager is never going to outmanage Buck Showalter. He could be, he could, he could equal him. But he's never going to out-prepare him and out-information him. So uh, I think the Mets, with Showalter, probably a playoff team. And the playoff structure, Anita, could be changed with the new basic agreement. There probably might be more playoff teams. So I think they're a playoff team. But in terms of a World Series, I don't know if they're a World Series team at this point. But again, the heavy lifting has not been done. Again, it's 10 to 1. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for uh, joining us on, on a Saturday afternoon. I uh, really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You got it, Anita. Have a great day. Okay. Uh, Michael K. Uh, we go from Michael K. to Dave uh, Lennon, David Lennon, who, of course, you see his work all over Newsday. David, welcome in. Uh, <laughs> musical chairs. Thank you so much for holding on. Really appreciate it. We wanted to get Michael K. on, obviously. Um, but first and foremost, your thoughts with the announcement in the news of uh, Buck Showalter now as the, uh, the the new manager of the Mets. Yeah, Michael's a tough act to follow there. So I'm going <laughs> to have to have some good stuff. I did listen to what Mike had to say, and obviously Mike has known Buck for a long time, uh, both as a Yankee manager and the work he's done with, uh, with yes. So I, I think a lot of what Mike said was, was, you know, pretty much nailed it. I mean, this was a, 
an obvious choice for the Mets. Um, you know, we've seen the Mets go down the road the past two hires uh, with first-time managers. Uh, it hasn't worked out in those cases. And with the team they were putting together and the kind of first-year Steve Cohen year they were coming off of, uh, this, this was no time to roll the dice. And, and, and this is no offense meant um, uh, to Quattaro uh, and Espada. Uh, who were both very bright baseball guys and worked in very good organizations and worked with two very good managers. Um, but you didn't want to have to keep asking the question as these games were going by, was that a, was that a rookie manager mistake or second-guessing him for this or was he prepared for this move or, you know, just constantly the second-guessing. You're not going to get that with Buck. I mean, this is a guy that's managed over 3,000 games uh, in the major leagues. Uh, so that part's going to be ironclad. I mean, are there going to be moves that don't work out? Of course. But when you're putting at the feet of somebody with his experience, uh, that's what you have to fall back on. And more often than not, uh, those are going to be the right decisions because you're not going to find a guy who's going to know his team better or the situations better, I think, than, than Buck Showalter. You know, it's it's. And I know I'm, I'm comparing apples and oranges here, but you know, I think there is something to be said about – this city, um, you know, and, and these teams that exist in New York slash New Jersey and how difficult it is for first-time head coaches to come in and have success. We're seeing Joe Judge struggle. We're seeing Robert Sala struggle. Again, I, I know it's football. It's a different animal. But nonetheless, in talking to Jim Duquette just about 30 minutes ago, as well as uh, Mike Kay and, of course, now you, like all three of you, the, the, the common denominator here, the thread is – yeah, you know, even though Buck is 65, a little older than the average bear, but nonetheless, uh, his veteran leadership and his experience, especially, uh, you know, here in New York, is, is going to have a lot more weight. Yeah, and, and you're not you're not having a, a a young team anymore per se. I mean, you just brought in Max Scherzer. Uh, you have established players here. Jacob Degrom, you know, is is getting a little older now, but he's been around. For a while, there are some guys that are two- and three-year players on this team. Pete Alonzo, you know, it, it hasn't been around a long time, uh, but he is more of a, a veteran presence now. You brought in Starling Marte. Uh, so, you know, this is, in, in a way, it, it almost it feels, I, I won't say it's a rebuild. I just think it's a team that needs to start living up to its potential, you know, and, and I don't think that Steve Cohen is done. You know, I think there's going to be more pieces added to this once the lockout's over, whenever that might be, whether it's a month or two months or, you know, midway through March, uh, I think Steve Cohen feels like there's going to be more money spent on this team, uh, more established players brought in here. So it, it's a win-now team, and you need a win-now manager. And, and that's not going to be done uh, on, an, on an experimental level. And you mentioned managing and, and coaching in New York City, and that is a different thing. Um, you know, Buck has done it here uh, quite a while ago. Uh, his last year here was 1995. Uh, but he's been in the majors and been on the big stage uh, for quite some time. And, and he's comfortable with that spotlight. He'll be perfectly fine with it here. It's not going to rattle him in the least. And I know people keep on saying he's 65. He's not 90. You know, I mean, 65, it's a new way to look at it. We have some older managers uh, in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, that have done pretty well the past year or two. Uh, so I, I don't really think the age is something to be concerned about. Buck, 
is going to connect with the younger players because he's going to have their respect as somebody that's done this for a long time. As somebody in the front office told me one time that, you know, the modern player now is always asking questions. Why, why, why? Why is this done? Why is that done? Why am I doing this? Why do I have to follow this nutritional thing? Well, with Buck, there's no need to ask that question. I mean, Buck has done it. Uh, his way has worked. Uh, and I think you're going to eliminate a lot of those questions in players' minds. Uh, they're going to see a guy who knows how to run a team, uh, and the Mets need that kind of steady hand at the wheel right now. David Lennon joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see his work all over Newsday. David, before I let you go, give us an update in regard to the lockout and, and how you see this playing out timetable-wise. Well, I mean, I think what you're seeing right now, Anita, is really a lack of urgency uh, on either side. And, and I knew uh, that once the lockout went into effect, you were just going to be in a deep freeze. I know that the two sides had met this past week. Uh, I don't think it was a very involved meeting. It was probably just a phone call to see, you know, what could be ahead on the horizon. But, you know, this is not something that's going to come to a, a quick resolution. I mean, lockouts in these labor actions are designed uh, to, to drag it out, to be a full court press, to get concessions from the other side. So I don't really expect this to pick up in any type of earnest until later next month. That's the expectation. You know, could they, you know, look at the climate of what's going on and seeing other sports having to pause or cancel games and think that, you know, there's some sort of goodwill here to be had from Major League Baseball to kind of get on with their business. Maybe there's an element of that. I, I, I don't think so. I just think this is something that's going to be on the longer side. And from what people have told me, uh, nobody's really expecting any type of uh, quick resolution by any means. David, thanks for uh, your time this afternoon on such short notice. Really do appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Happy holidays. Anita. You got it. 800-919-3776. You want to chive in? Uh, chime in, I should say, on the news. Buck Showalter now, the new manager of the Mets. We've spoken to Jim Duquette. We've spoken to Michael Kay, David Lennon. Everybody, not just one, but two thumbs up on this decision. What say you? 98.7 ESPN.